0: One team, one plan, one fee. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. we got a busy hour. Let's get right to it. Derek Felsky, our Chief Investment Officer, welcome to the show. Thank you, Danny. In for Dave Spano this weekend. Mark Beck, Managing Director, Wealth Management Services. Welcome. Hey, thank you. Appreciate it. Glad to be here. You know, I'm glad I get to be here when the week
1: was a strong week. What a change it's been since the last several weeks. But boy, what a bounce we saw this past
2: week. Oh, it certainly was. The S&P was up a little over 2%. The NASDAQ up almost Five, small caps up 2.6. And we actually saw the 10-year yield bounce 21 basis points of 3.09 on much stronger economic data than many people would have expected.
1: Yeah, just look at that, 3% treasuries, right? So you almost have to start to think about that in terms of where can we allocate relatively low-risk money, and all of a sudden treasury yields become attractive. Of course, that is part of the equation of people thinking about how to
2: reallocate money, and it has impact kind of throughout the spectrum. Right. I mean, really, for seniors, if you think about it, you know, for the first time, a 3% yield on a CD is becoming fairly commonplace. And during those years of financial repression, it was really hard to generate any kind of yield at all with cash reserves.
1: Yeah, to a large extent, we always talked about that. What the Fed had to do to drive interest rates to zero really hurt the saver, not the investor. The saver put money into savings, is the way you think about that, and so that's CDs, money markets, those sorts of things. And what it did was it really boosted risk assets, so that's the stock market. And now, of course, we're unwinding all of that excess liquidity, and so that is what is driving all the market anxiety. And we need to look at that from the perspective of where do we go forward from here? Things we watch, you know, are like the jobs data that we saw this past week. So we can get an indication of how is the
2: economy weathering the tightening that we're seeing in monetary policy right now? Yeah, and I think a real takeaway that I've kind of generated in my own mind the last several weeks is no one is really interested in hearing good news right now. You know, everybody wants to be negative about the recession fears, stagflation, the price of gasoline, uh, the Russia-Ukraine war, now an assassination of the former prime minister of Japan. I mean, there are any number of negative data points one can follow. And that's why that consumer confidence survey got so low. And historically, when you have that low a level of consumer confidence, almost a contrary signal, you really need to look at the world with a glass as half full approach, not half empty.
1: You do. And I think if you look back historically, it's more common that you're going to see sort of that peak negative news cycle occur after the market has already bottomed out. And to a certain degree, there's good news starting to show itself. But, you know, the news cycle is focused on the negative because you're right, everybody gets kind of into that zone where all you want to hear is the negative because it becomes sort of self-fulfilling to an extent.
2: Working on that quarterly letter mark that we send to all our clients, you know, uh, Todd and I've talked a lot about approximating a bottom. And, you know, one of the ways you can approach that is to take a look and say, okay, what is the future path of returns likely to be. Better than average or worse than average? Typically, if you avoid a recession, the sharpest decline you see on average is about 25%, which essentially is what the S&P did at one point on the lows in the middle of June. Small caps even more, and NASDAQ even more than that. So at this point, you know, if, if we can avoid a recession, if we can just kind of meander through for the next couple of months as inflation peaks, commodity prices continue to roll over, uh, there could be some really great buying opportunities presenting themselves in fairly short order.
1: And then isn't that what you would say is kind of the tug of war that's driving some of the volatility we're seeing in the market? Is people trying to digest that very risk of will we or will we not be able to avoid this recession? And if we do, by the way, the way it looks like it's shaping up right now is it would be likely like one of the softest, gentlest
2: recessions we've ever experienced. There's an old saying that price is truth. And those that waste time trying to forecast the economy are doing that, wasting time. In fact, Peter Lynch, the former Magellan fund manager, used to say if an analyst supported his recommendation on a stock by citing their future expectations for the economy, kick them out of their office. Yeah, that's good insight,
1: actually. And, you know, when I sit and talk with clients, uh, which is my job, we get to share that idea of thinking about what you own in terms of the quality of the investments, not in terms of what the
0: economy is doing. Mark Beck, Managing Director, Wealth Management Services. Derek Felsky, Chief Investment Officer. We have them for the whole hour. Week in Review, we just had. It's available this weekend on the Annex Wealth Management YouTube channel and in our newsletter, The Axiom, Sunday morning. Share it with somebody who might benefit. Waters are choppy. If we can help, AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, Sunday, July 10th. We're going to be right back, 92.5 Fox News. Like it or not, you are a media-consuming machine. Chased all day by headlines, texts, emails, on the TV, the computer, the phone, even your smartwatch. News about market volatility and uncertainty could lead to anxiety and planning paralysis. No surprise, Americans report increased stress about their investment and retirement plans. This isn't a time to be frozen in place. Take action. Put Annex Wealth Management on your side. Build a plan that will help cut through the noise. We'll provide comprehensive investment and retirement guidance that includes tax and estate planning. Let Annex do a deep dive on your portfolio. Offer unbiased advice with WealthMetric and work to create a solid plan for you and your family. Turn down the media roar. Dial up the planning. Head to AnnexWealth.com and click the Get Started button. It only takes a couple of minutes, in person or online. It's time to take action and know the difference with a fee only fiduciary. That's Annex Wealth Management. Annexwealth.com. We're back. Website, AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. Just a reminder, historically, how Annex Wealth Management has been watching out over the last couple of years. June 9th, 2020, we had a webinar, Financial Planning During Market Volatility. June 23rd of last summer, we had a webinar, How Inflation Affects Investing. Spring of this year, we had a Focus Series presentations, a number of them, Market Volatility and Financial Planning. Is your investment partner, if it's not Annex, are they doing those kinds of things? Think about it. And if not, AnnexWealth.com, clicking that Get Started button. Derek Felsky in the studio. He is our chief investment officer. Mark Beck, managing director of Wealth Management Services.
1: You know, that's great context, Danny, because, you know, translate that into how we think about the investment world. And so much of it is about how we're positioning for what's in the future. And when people right now are asking, well, how are you going to deal with inflation? Some of that is thinking about the right sectors, the right types of companies, the character of the companies that you want to own well ahead of the inflationary cycle. Same thing on the interest rate side. The time to prepare for rising interest rates is not when We're talking about how much interest rates have risen. You know, it was well in advance of that. You know, that's one of the areas I think, Derek, that we did a great job is navigating through what that interest rate cycle was going to look like. And now being able to proactively position for the next phase puts us in a position of strength to
2: kind of leverage these changes in the favor of our clients. Oh, absolutely. Um, You know, when I think about some of the moves we've made recently, we added some small cap exposure. Uh, The reason for that is pretty simple small caps tend to perform very well when inflation is running above average and you get the added benefit of not having foreign currency exposure because U.S. dollar is very strong. That's going to hamper multinationals in the S&P 500, but it certainly wouldn't hamper uh, small caps that are focused domestically. And also the valuation of small caps that make money, and I'm underscoring the point make money, are at relative lows against the S&P that we haven't seen since 2001. Yeah, so those are the ones where you can translate to, say, a P.E.
1: multiple, for example, because they have earnings, and so you can look at that, as opposed to a more speculative type of company where you're really betting on his future earnings to materialize. So they're talking about growth of market share, but you're just not sure if it's there yet. And they tend to be a lot more volatile then, of course, because things like monetary policy can have a much bigger impact
2: on that projected future. Right, I mean, it's astonishing to me, you know, we use ETFs a lot and we use index funds and you really need to drill down because the Russell 2000 is really a collection of crappy companies, 43% of the companies in that index do not make money. The bond market has done a lot of work for the Fed. You know, the two-year yield's at 3%. The Fed funds rate is at 1.75. So, okay, they raise it 75 basis points in the next meeting at the end of the month. The market's already kind of priced that in. What we haven't seen is what's going to happen with consumer inflation expectations. We did get some whispers of good news this week. The other thing we got was that rental prices are actually down 2.9% month-on-month which is something that really surprised me because I thought rental prices would continue to follow the rise in housing prices with a lag. Well, that is interesting,
1: and I think you look around and you start to see those little tidbits. Uh, kind of has an indication that maybe the peak inflation number is near or already there. You're starting to see that. Think in terms of the news about inventories from some of the retailers and how they feel like they're, you know, they have excess inventory. They may just have to discount some of that kind of stuff. Oh,
2: absolutely! They're
1: awash with inventory. Right. So that's going to drive right to the consumer as well. And you know, maybe even we saw the peak in gas prices because they have trickled down a tiny little bit, which feels a
2: touch better at the pump. Yeah, I think the inflation has always been hard to handicap, but I'll just run off a couple of numbers. So lumber is down 60% from its high, aluminum 36, wheat, 35. Natural gas, 34. Steel, 31. WTI crude, 17. Gold, 15. These are significant declines, but commodities are not the only problem. It's the fact that prices, while they may stop growing at the same rate, are still going to remain at relatively high levels.
0: Derek Felsky, our Chief Investment Officer, Mark Beck. we got them for the rest of the hour. Stick around if we can help. Our website, AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. Know the difference? One team, one plan, one fee. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. We're going to be right back on 92.5 Fox News. Inflation isn't going away anytime soon. As the cost of everything from food to vacations to your electric bill rises, you may wonder if your retirement plans are still on track. Annex Wealth Management can help. It starts at AnnexWealth.com. Click the Get Started button. From there, our in-house planning team will create your wealth metric, a snapshot of where you are and where you're headed. Wealth Metric will help you understand the impact inflation may have on your plans. Get started today. Visit AnnexWealth.com. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management? It's been a volatile start for 2022 in the markets. Started the year with Omicron. Russia invaded Ukraine. Supply chains remain tangled. Inflation keeps rising. It's enough to keep you up at night. And according to the research, it's doing exactly that. People are losing sleep. They are worried. This is personal. What is important during times like these? Maintaining perspective. So, Counting our radio shows, our YouTube channel, Annex Wealth Management Podcast, our Axiom newsletter, we share a lot for both clients and non-clients. And as you know, we pay very close attention to this and we create educational pieces. So I'm just going to remind you, June 9th, 2020 over two years ago, we did the webinar Financial Planning During Market Volatility. Last year, in the summer, we did summer school webinar, June 23rd, How Inflation Affects Investing. And a month or so ago, my next guest, Tom Parks and Deanne Phillips, led a number of Focus Series presentations on market volatility and financial planning. And just a week or so ago, we sent something special to our clients talking about what's going on now. Well, let's welcome them back, Dan Phillips, Director of Client Learning Development, CFP and a CDFA at Annex. Hello.
3: Hello, Danny.
0: Tom Parks, Director of Retirement Plan Services, Annex Wealth Management. Good to see you. And it's great to see you, Danny. Headlines, kids. They're going to eat us alive and they create stress.
3: They absolutely do. And it creates this fear of us, this fear of loss, which can be overwhelming. It's stimulated by fear, controlled by that amygdala, that's that reptilian brain that controls our fight or flight response. So when we're fearful, then our brain's frontal lobe and the brain's executive decision maker and emotional center takes a back seat. It impacts our decisions creates anxiety. This anxiety, then, makes us focus on our fears and losses from the past.
0: Tom, I'm not going to say anything, but she did look at you when the reptilian brain came up. (laughs) Deanne, you hold an ABFP designation. That is Accredited Behavioral Finance Professional. So what's going on right now is in that wheelhouse. Does it help if we all realize that what we're feeling is instinctual behavior and there's always going to be something that bugs us?
3: Always. There will always be a crisis. And guess what? When there's visibility to the end of that crisis, another one pops up. I cannot remember once in my 26 years of doing this when there hasn't been a daily breaking news on something. So when this happens, you know, we feel the situation, we can feel its meaninglessness, that the system has lost any meaning, it no longer makes sense, right? And then we can feel this normlessness where the rules are broken, there aren't any rules maybe, and that can lead to a feeling of powerlessness where there's little ire anyone can do to impact and influence outcomes. And then you know what happens is we feel like we need to take action. And if that action isn't well thought out and in line with our financial plan, it could lead to a derailing of our financial goals.
0: Let's talk about that impact of anxiety on investor behavior, specifically the price of
4: panic. Danny, I think when we talk about panic, it's totally understandable when people freak out about some of this stuff. You look at the headlines, the whole point of that is to, to get people anxious. But to your point, there is a price for that panic. So when we look historically at markets, a lot of people, and I've been hearing this lately, is, well, you know, Tom, this time it's different. When you look back at all the different events that have happened in the market, That has been true each and every time. It has been different every time, and it is different this time. But when people say this time it's different, what they're really saying is this is the time it's not going to come back. And that's where the price of panic can really be problematic.
0: Let's talk about loss aversion. That's very natural, but it can also blind investors to growth opportunity.
3: Well, of course, because we want to focus on the downside, you know. You find a twenty dollar bill, right, walking down the street and you get all excited. Woo-hoo. You're like, Woohoo, right? I am richer and you put it in your pocket and you want to share it with a friend, you wanna talk about it with a friend, and you go to pull it out of your pocket and it's gone. <laughs> and you can focus one will focus as a human being on the loss of that twenty far more than getting the 20 but really think about it economically we're even we haven't lost or made anything right but we focus on the downside so that's what happens with the markets too we kind of kick ourselves we think about our past mistakes but if you look historically the number of positive years in the S&P 500, the stock market are so much greater. Almost three quarters of returns during the period of 1926 through the present, almost three quarters of the returns during that time period were positive. And the third of those had gains greater than 20 percent.
0: Am I putting my head in the sand if I'm not even going to open up my statements from this past quarter? I'm looking long term.
4: It's not that I don't want to see it, it's just that w- what good would it do? Well, the fact that you said long term is key, Danny. So I think people need to understand what is the account that you're looking at? What is the purpose of that account? And when are you actually going to need to start liquidating some of that account for whatever purpose it is? Obviously, when we talk about some of the stuff, we're not talking about the account that you're using to save up for a car. Usually we're talking for those longer term goals, whether it's retirement or something far in the future. And if that is the case, I don't know if putting your head in the sand is necessarily mm-hmm. the right approach, but trying to be more calm and understand in context what's going on is probably at least a better way to start that out.
3: You know, behaviorally also, uh, sometimes people think, well, I'm just about to retire, so i got to be so conservative. If I lose anything, I'll have to go back to work. But they're forgetting they need that stock market exposure. They're not, hopefully, going to retire and pass away. They're going to live for decades. You have to have that growth. You have to have stocks for the long run. Let's
0: have a quick conversation about managing risk. When it's broken down into three categories, our perspective can change. And that first is things you can't control.
3: There are a lot of them out there. Volatility, for example. Inflation. While there are risks that are out there that are out of our control, there's still a lot we can control. Like emotional errors, making investment decisions based on emotion, failure to plan properly, relying on those rules of thumb, even IRS taxes and penalties.
4: There are things that we can't control. There are things that we can control. And then there are the things that really matter. We need to take a look at these things and try to put our focus on the things that we can control. The emotional errors, failing to plan properly and then not leveraging tax and you know tax structure and the ability to to make distributions or invest your money in a certain way that's tax-wise. So there are things we can control, and that's where we need to put our focus. So what is the moral of our story?
3: There'll always be a crisis. They have conclusions, but there'll always be another. So we can't wait to be completely crisis-free. But we can control somewhat the emotional reactions we have from fear and anxiety that come from these crises by putting a focus on things that matter and where that intersects with what we can control. And we also have to remember that investing isn't trading. It's a longer term approach.
0: Deanne Phillips, thanks for joining us.
3: Thanks for having me.
0: You too, Tom Parks. Always appreciate your input. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Danny. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, Sunday, July 10th. Quick break. We're going to be right back at 92.5 Fox News. The classic carnival game, Whack-A-Mole, has been around since 1976. Five holes where moles pop up randomly. Your job? Nail them. Score points? Stay in the game. Ever feel like investment and retirement planning is one gigantic game of Whack-A-Mole? up pops market volatility a virus a war it goes on and on and frankly it can be a little exhausting tired of playing whack-a-mole on the way to retirement it's time to put annex wealth management on your side our fee-only fiduciary team is made up of cfas cfps attorneys cpas and even a phd And every one of those professionals works on behalf of our clients. It's time for WealthMetric. More than a portfolio review, WealthMetric addresses your investment, retirement, and tax plan to help achieve the retirement you desire. Powered by the strength of the Annex team and our state-of-the-art technology, WealthMetric is another way to know the difference. Visit AnnexWealth.com and click the Get Started button. We're ready for you. Know the difference. Annex Wealth Management. No, the difference. This is a team segment, deeding a home to somebody. Easy peasy, right? Well, maybe not. Jill Martin's our estate planning attorney at Annex. She heads our estate planning team, and she's joined us to talk about this. Hello, Jill. Hi, Danny. For starters, what's the typical reason someone would deed a property to somebody else? And first off, I should say, is deeding basically you're giving ownership to the other person?
5: Yes. So that's a good point, right? If if we're transferring real estate from one person to another, that's done through a deed, right? That's recorded with the Register of Deeds office that shows when title passes from one person to another.
0: Who are these amazing people that give things away like this?
5: Well, you'd be surprised. A lot of people do, especially when we're talking about having a second property up north or a vacation home somewhere, right? That's a legacy asset that a lot of times people want to make sure stays in the family. What happens is there's more than just doing the deed to get the house transferred to someone else. So
0: this is not like a DIY project that involves a little bit of paperwork and somebody that knows how to do that.
5: It it does involve paperwork. And if it's something where you're in the real estate industry and you do this a lot, Sure, you could do it yourself. Generally, what you need to do is a deed. There's a variety of different types of deeds, though, so you're going to need to know which type of deed you're doing. Then there's also going to be a transfer tax return, which it's called a real estate transfer tax return in Wisconsin, where you're paying a tax to transfer that property. Some don't have a fee, some do, so you're going to have to be familiar with that process. And then the other complicating factor is, is, is there still a mortgage or home equity line on that property? Because the bank is not going to just let you transfer it to whoever you want if you're still on the hook for a liability attached to that.
0: Okay, my DIY project means changing a, a faucet. I'm not doing something like that. That sounds difficult. So is deeding a property to somebody else, does that mean it's it, is it viewed as a gift? Is this a transaction?
5: It, it can be. It absolutely can be. Unless you are getting paid for whatever you're giving to another person... It's a gift, right? So if I have a piece of real estate that's worth $100,000 and I'm going to put you on the deed as a co-owner with me, I'm making a gift of $50,000 worth of value to you unless you pay me that 50000 right? So that's actually a legal gift when we just add people on to title. And so that's where things get really, really complicated that we have to be very cautious about what are we doing and why.
0: This is more... Of a question for our tax team, but could you just like sell it for a dollar? I've seen that.
5: So, unfortunately, that's still a gift because you're selling it at less than fair market value. So, again, if I went out on the street and found someone to buy that house for me, right, I'm going to get fair market value for that. So, if I sell it to somebody for a dollar, that's an implied gift because I didn't get full market value for so, it.
0: So somebody's thought of this before. I'm they just, have, I'm and the
5: IRS has caught people on this. <laughs> yes. So
0: Jill Martin's our estate planning attorney at Annex. We're talking about deeding property to somebody else. I've got a guess that you've seen cases where it's done improperly, and somebody needs to go in and clean it up.
5: Well, it, it, improperly or maybe without all of the thought process that goes behind what are the ramifications of this gift. A lot of times we see this in a scenario where mom and dad Want to protect the house from a long term care event. So they don't want to have to sell their house to pay for long term care, right? So what do they do? They transfer the house to their three kids and they still get to live in it. Okay, that might not be a bad idea, but there are tax consequences that come along with that, especially if. It gets more and more complicated the more kind of bells and whistles we try and put on that transaction. So just giving the house to your kids so that you're protected, we have to watch for the five-year look-back period for Medicaid. We have to watch is that gift really included in mom and dad's estate or not? Because if not, they don't. then the kids don't get what we call that step-up in basis when mom and dad die. So if the kids turn around and sell that house, there's capital gain implications that come along with it. So just deciding that you're going to deed the property over to your kids comes with a lot of other things that we need to think about. It's not as simple as it sounds.
0: So there's a clean or best way to do this. And I'm guessing that anybody that's considering that, you got to put a team to to work because it affects a portfolio. It affects tax status, I guess, in certain ways. And you got to have a capable estate attorney. Your usual advice is, let's just start at the beginning?
5: Yeah. Usually when people are starting to contemplate planning, whether it's Medicaid protection planning, or it's that second vacation home that they want to get to the next generation now, it's important to make sure we're crossing all the T's and dotting all the I's. So we want to talk to an estate planning attorney and even maybe a real estate attorney to make sure we're doing it in the most tax efficient manner, but also to make sure that we're doing it legally appropriately so that we don't have issues that come up later.
0: It's not like we're trying to throw a bunch of different attorneys into the room. We're just trying to do it right.
5: Correct. And and what happens is is if, if you do this by yourself, it can get messy. And then to your point, there's all of a sudden unintended ramifications that come down the line for family members way after the fact.
6: Oh,
0: I'm a big fan of hiring a pro. <laughs> That's for sure. Thank you. This is good. Joe Martin, estate planning attorney at Annex Wealth Management, talking about deeding property to somebody else. Thank you for joining us. You're welcome, Danny. Can we help sort through some of this stuff for you? I think we can. We do investment and retirement planning, tax planning and estate planning, and we do it as a fee-only fiduciary. Our plans are built with the strength of the entire Annex Wealth Management team. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. We are going to be right back on 92.5 Fox News.
3: It starts with a call. With one call, you can start seeing your future more clearly. If your financial picture is cloudy because you're getting conflicting tax, investment, and estate planning advice, help is a call or a click away. Annex Wealth Management's team works to get your investment plan in line with your tax plan and your estate plan. Build confidence with one team working to create one comprehensive plan as a fee-only fiduciary. Annex Wealth Management. One team. One plan. One fee. AnnexWealth.com.
0: Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management, Robert Chastain, Branch Director and Wealth Manager at Annex Wealth Management Naples. Hey, Robert. Welcome back. Hey, how are you, Danny? Good. Better than you because little known fact is, is that you exhausted yourself on the pickleball court last weekend. Are you feeling better?
7: I am feeling better. Uh, my wife was not very happy with me. My blood pressure dropped to 80 over 60. But did you win the match? Uh, I, actually, I left in the middle of it. <laughs> Hey, folks, we're going to talk
0: about the first half of 2022, and it was a rough one. And, folks, Mm -hmm. it's easy to curl up in a ball, maybe even consider retreating. But if your vision is out the front windshield instead of the rearview mirror, your perspective will change. We talked about this a little bit earlier in the show with Deanne and Tom. We're going to dig in a little deeper here with Robert. There are common mistakes to avoid during market downturns. We've got four to discuss. And, Robert, the first one is, is to not buy or invest when things are on sale.
7: Well, you know, when things are on sale, uh, I know somebody that I live with likes to go and take advantage of those sales, but here's the thing. Are you getting things that you have to have or nice to have? If something is 20% off, do you maybe buy an extra one? Or I actually even like to talk to clients thinking like this. What if we break your purchases into tranches? One tranche here, one tranche there, then a third tranche, and then you have a dollar cost averaging strategy that might work a lot better for you. And the other thing that I've really talked to a lot of clients about lately are the U.S. market from the beginning of time. The recoveries are undefeated. It has always recovered over time.
0: Another mistake is panic selling. I mean, people going to cash. And you've got to be right twice when you do that.
7: Well, that's a great point, Danny, and you know, if you are in a panic, your emotional capital is spent, you're ready to just throw in the towel and quit. And most of that comes from not having a plan or a strategy. And if that's any time that we should sit down and bring our tax people in and let's talk about an overall strategy for this.
0: Robert Chastain is branch director and wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management Naples. Common mistakes during market downturns. The third one, obsessing over account balances. I brought it up with tom and deanne i'm not going to open up my quarterly statements and i i don't i don't really need to or want to because my time horizon is a little bit more and i don't know what it's going to do for me
7: well there are a lot of people that are obsessing on a daily basis they're looking at things three four five times a day my uh, wife works in the medical field and she gets phone calls of people taking their blood pressure 25 times a day now it's obsessive right but here's the thing Have you planned for the long term? And if you haven't, you wouldn't have to look at this four or five times a day or even daily. Look at it every Friday or every Monday. But just driving yourself into anxiety and raising your blood pressure, looking at your statements on a daily basis
0: is too much. Fourth and final point we'll discuss, and Robert started to get into that a little bit, investing during market downturns and forgetting the big picture. And folks, that's what you gotta do. You gotta keep the eyes on the prize.
7: Well, that's a great, another great point, Danny. And if you're not looking at the big picture, it's really hazardous to your wealth, not your health, but your wealth. And then what is your time horizon? Because based on your time horizon, when you're going to retire and how much risk you're taking, that has to be balanced out. And that's something we can do with a good plan, our investment team and
0: investment selections. Love to go to bat for you folks for investment and retirement planning, tax planning, and estate planning. We do it as a fee only fiduciary. Know the difference. The website, annexwealth.com. Click that Get Started button. Robert Chastain, Branch Director and Wealth Manager, Annex Wealth Management in Naples. Thanks for your time. Oh, thank you, Danny. Quick break. We're going to be back. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 925 Fox News. Inflation isn't going away anytime soon. As the cost of everything from food to vacations to your electric bill rises, You may be wondering if your retirement plans are still on track. Inflation is a silent wealth killer. You won't hear an alarm when prices rise, but you might feel alarm as you try to plan your future. It's also one of the top reasons 80% of Americans are feeling stressed about their finances. Annex Wealth Management can help. It starts at AnnexWealth.com. Click the Get Started button. From there, Annex Wealth Management's in-house team of planners will prepare your wealth metric, a snapshot of where you are and where you're headed. Wealth metric isn't a sales tool. Annex is a fee-only fiduciary, so there are no products to push. Instead, you'll get an honest assessment of your current state and a realistic plan to reach your goals. If you're concerned about how inflation may be affecting your retirement date or how you're planning to spend your retirement, visit AnnexWealth.com today. Annex Wealth Management. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management in a conversation about the 4% rule. Joining me to talk about it, Randy Winkler, a CFP and wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management. Welcome back, Randy. Thanks, Danny. Withdrawing money from the nest egg can be a complex financial exercise. There are unknowns the length of retirement, how much you're going to spend, how much health care is going to cost, what your investment returns might be. That's just to name a few. Now, Randy, we've covered the 4% rule on this show, in fact, a number of times. Right off the top, though, let's cover what the 4% percent rule is in theory and how it gets at those questions. Okay. The four percent rule comes from a gentleman by the
8: name of Bill Bengen. In 1994, he wanted to find out what a sustainable spending number was. So he looked at a 30-year retirement with a 60-40 portfolio, and then he looked back over 30-year rolling periods in the stock market to see how much you could take out and not run out of money. So he found that on average you could take out 6.5%, but that means that half the time you've run out of money when you've successfully completed retirement. So he wanted to look at the worst period over all of those time periods he looked at, and he came at a number of 4.15%. He lowered it to 4.1, the industry lowered it to 4, and that's where the 4% rule. So literally, it's the there's never been a time period over 30 years with a 60-40 stock bond portfolio where you'd run out of money. Before we get too far, it's not officially a rule, though. We just call it that, right? Yeah, it's more of a guideline. It's a good rule of thumb to see, okay, where am I at? It's a withdrawal rule. It's not covering
0: what you can actually spend in retirement because there's other things that factor in. When Randy and I were talking before we sat down, I asked him, what part does Social Security play? Is the 4% on top of whatever that monthly income is? Yeah, and I thought this was a really interesting question I had to think
8: about. It. The 4% rule is how much you can withdraw, but that doesn't say how much you can spend. Okay. So let's say you have a million-dollar portfolio. You can safely take out $40,000 and spend that $40,000. Now, if you have 30000 of Social Security on top of that, you still can only withdraw safely that 40000 but now you can spend seventy. So it layers on top of that. If you have a pension, there's other things into it. So the withdrawal doesn't go up, but it could potentially go down. If you only need 50 and you're getting 30 from Social Security, well, then you only need to take 20 out and then you're at the 2% rule. And (laughs) folks, this is what the whole planning thing is all about. Is this based on like a 30-year retirement? Is is that one of the assumptions? Yes, and that's actually one of the criticisms with it, is it doesn't factor in other time frames. For example, if you have a shorter time frame, let's say you retire at 70 and you have a 20-year retirement, you can actually take out 5% safely. If you retired very early and had a 45-year horizon, it's down to 3.5. So it has to be adjusted based on the length of your retirement. Now, you mentioned a criticism. Are there any others? Yeah, there's a few. One of them is taxes. It doesn't factor into it. So again, in my example before, let's say you've got two people, one has a million dollar IRA and one has a million dollar joint account. Well they both can withdraw 4%, but they're not going to have 4% to spend. Taking $40,000 out of a million dollar IRA, once you take taxes off, there's going to be less money left over. Where in the joint account, based on your tax situation, you might be paying zero in capital gains or it could be 15 or 20. So the spending rule is different than the withdrawal rule. The withdrawal is the same across the type of account, but what you have left over to live on could be very different. And this is why the plan needs to be in place, right? Yes. Right. So it's okay. a good place to take a look at, am I on track? But to take a look at, when do I touch this account? Do I take it from this one? Factoring in taxes. How's the portfolio made up? Changes in spending while you're in
0: retirement. It's not level. All of those things factor in. Randy Winkler is the CFP at a CAP, edit, wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management, talking about the 4% rule. All right. A while back, I started seeing some headlines along the line of, quote, the 4% rule might no longer be valid. And a lot of that was inflation-oriented, based Basically, it wasn't the 4% rule anymore, some were calling it the 3.3% rule. Your thoughts on that?
8: Yeah, if you take a look at anything involving the market in the short-term, you can make some mistakes. Uh, I once heard a great quote, don't make a a long-term decision based on a short-term situation. So, these rules, they're not changing based on the markets up or the markets down or even inflation. That's all factored in over all of those different time periods that were factored in. But again, it's just a place to start. It's a place to go if you want to take a, hey, am I on Where am I at in my situation? From there, you have to do a deeper dive to
0: see what works for your, your individual situation. You were talking about this being a withdrawal thing, and in your experience, is there such a thing as a typical withdrawal pattern? And I mean, somebody's freshly retired and they want to live it up a little bit, so maybe they'd spend a little bit more. Does it settle back down?
8: Yes, there's something called the retirement smile. So um, when you first retire in the go-go years, you're spending the most you probably ever will, and then you get to the slow-go years, and your spending goes down, and then it ramps up again when you get to the no-go years because of healthcare expenses. So it's not level. The four percent rule is assuming a four percent level withdrawal, but depending on your situation, you might be taking five percent out in the early years, and then three percent in the the middle years, and then up to five percent again in the later years. And it's not something you do one time. It's something you take. look at on a yearly basis to make sure that it's still working. You wouldn't want to write a strategy that suddenly was not working into the ground. The 4% rule is a good rule of thumb. Yes. But our financial planning team goes to more detail. Much more detail, because we have to take a look at how the accounts are made up, factoring in taxes. Eventually, Social Security is going to come in. Some of Social Security is going to be taxable. Do you have a pension? How much do you need? So it all gets factored in. It can be very complicated or very interesting, depending on your, your uh, situation. But we, we
0: find that very enjoyable to dive into that for our clients. Yes, we do. And we can help for investment, retirement planning, tax planning, and estate planning. We do it as a fee-only fiduciary. Know the difference? Website, AnnexWealth.com. Click that get started button. Start the Wealth Metric process. Randy Winkler, CFP and wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management. Thanks for your time. Oh, my pleasure, Danny. Ever feel like investment and retirement planning is one gigantic game of whack-a-mole? Up oh, pops market volatility, a virus, a war. It goes on and on, and frankly, it can be a little exhausting. Tired of playing games on the way to retirement? It's time for Wealth Metric from Annex Wealth Management. More than a portfolio review, it addresses your investment, retirement, and tax plan to help achieve the retirement you desire. Visit AnnexWealth.com. Click the Get Started button. Know the difference. Annex Wealth Management. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management? We like to work on financial and retirement puzzles for each and every one of our clients, And none are the same because nobody lives the exact same life and we certainly don't have the same goals. There are many moving pieces to a well-crafted retirement plan and Social Security is one of the legs of the retirement stool. We want that stool to support your plan. Let's talk about Social Security and specifically what's called a claiming strategy because it's a whole lot more than turning 62 and starting to collect and to do that, we're joined by Eric Strom, Financial Planning Manager and a CFP at Annex Wealth Management. Hello, Eric. Hi, Danny. And Tom Burkholz, a financial planning specialist and CFP at Annex Wealth Management. Welcome back, Tom. Hello. Eric, Social Security, one of the legs of a retirement plan, but it's a mistake to think it's probably going to be the majority of the support.
9: That's right, Danny. We are fans of saving for your financial future, whether that's Roth account, taxable investment accounts, pre-tax IRAs. And as you begin to save more and more and you get closer to retirement,
0: Social Security becomes one of those important puzzle pieces. So it's definitely that context. Tom, we had a question on a recent Ask Annex about the percentage of Americans who start taking benefits at 62. The overall percentage of Americans is higher than our clients at Annex Wealth Management. And the conclusion was that our clients, with our planning assistance, integrate Social Security at various ages because they've got other sources of retirement income. They just do things a little differently.
6: Yeah, Danny. a third of Americans take Social Security at 62. And in my opinion, it's not because they want to, it's because they need to. Most Americans have not saved enough for retirement. And clients at annex tend to have saved more assets, and it provides them more flexibility on when they eventually claim for Social Security. Eric,
0: let's go back to square one. The minimum age to take Social Security benefits, it's 62. Yeah, typically it is
9: 62. Uh,
0: Not always, but for most people it is age 62. And Tom, the amount scales up as we get older.
6: Right. So the amount does scale up, but there's somewhat of a misconception with Social Security that if you file before your full retirement age, that somehow you're getting a penalty. But in reality, it's not designed to be punitive. It's actually an actuarial age-based reduction. So it's all based on your age and it's designed to make sure you arrive at similar benefits over your lifetime. So nobody's penalizing you for taking Social Security early.
0: Eric, once your Social Security enter into somebody's mindset when they're thinking about financial and retirement planning, should it even be on our minds when we're in our, wow, 50s? I think so because Social Security is really just a part of
9: retirement planning and it's never too early to start retirement planning. Even with my six-year-old, I'm working on getting her some earned income so we can start that custodial Roth IRA, right? So it's never too early. But as you're getting in your 50s and let's say you're five or more years away from Social Security. Yeah, you want to get more serious about looking at it because look, we're seeing increasing volatility, we're seeing uh, fluctuation in interest rates. So don't ignore your retirement planning, right? Social Security is that guaranteed fixed income puzzle piece in your retirement puzzle. So you want to take retirement planning seriously and get on it.
0: Let's talk about what's called a claiming strategy and a strategy is part of the plan.
6: Right. It's a huge part of the overall financial plan. And if you're married, there's dozens and dozens of claiming strategies. And the reality is the claiming strategy of one spouse can dramatically affect the other. So in my experience, the math always tells the story. You want to run the math and blend that into your overall financial plan while considering other things like longevity and the client's personal preference on when they want to start.
0: Eric, you and the financial planning team work these numbers when somebody's going through the initial process after they click that get started button at annexwealth.com. Does it become kind of clear what the optimum age is when the process happens or is this a it depends thing? It's not very clear
9: when we first start because distribution planning is very intricate and complex. Many financial planners say, oh, just delay till 70, delay till 70, and there's that wisdom out there. But it's not that simple. If you are going to delay till 70, then where is the money going to come from? So that's distribution planning, right? How are you going to fund those years prior to starting to social security if you are going to defer till 70? We've got to get to know you first. We can't simply
0: just say, okay, we've known you for five minutes. Here's the best social security strategy back to the legs of that retirement stool. When it comes to Social Security's contributions to retirement income, the ballpark figure is what, 40%? Is that is that correct?
6: Right. Yeah. And it, it was never designed to pay for all of your retirement expenses. So it's actually interesting how Social Security has evolved over time because when it was designed back in the 30s, no one, I don't think, was expecting in the year 2022 that people were going to be living into their 80s, 90s and beyond. So we're optimistic on Social Security, but it may look different in the future. We just don't know yet.
0: And the rest is made up of, say, savings and investments and all the stuff that Annex Wealth Management helps our clients with. Yeah. So social security is interesting,
9: right? Because it has some unique aspects. First of all, it's not fully taxable. The most that can be taxed is 85% of it. And also, if you delay taking your Social Security, there's a guaranteed growth to it, almost like an annuity. So because of that, you've got to accept that there are unique features to Social Security. How does this fit into my overall plan? If I do delay, where am I going to withdraw the money from in the meantime? And that's why Social Security planning is really part of that
0: broader retirement planning and distribution planning strategy. For investment and retirement planning, tax planning, and estate planning, we do it as a fee-only fiduciary. Know the difference. Our website, AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. Start the wealth metric process. Tom Burkholz, financial planning specialist and CFP. Thanks for your time. My pleasure. Eric Strom, financial planning manager and CFP at Annex Wealth Management. Always appreciate your insight. Thanks, Danny inflation isn't going away anytime soon as the cost of everything from food to vacations to your electric bill rises you may be wondering if your retirement plans are still on track inflation is a silent wealth killer you won't hear an alarm when prices rise but you might feel alarm as you try to plan your future it's also one of the top reasons 80 percent of americans are feeling stressed about their finances annex wealth management can help it starts at AnnexWealth.com. Click the Get Started button. From there, Annex Wealth Management's in-house team of planners will prepare your wealth metric, a snapshot of where you are and where you're headed. Wealth metric isn't a sales tool. Annex is a fee-only fiduciary, so there are no products to push. Instead, you'll get an honest assessment of your current state and a realistic plan to reach your goals. If you're concerned about how inflation may be affecting your retirement date or how you're planning to spend your retirement, visit at AnnexWealth.com today. Annex Wealth Management. Know the difference? Discordant retirement. That's a thing. It sounds like a marital spat, but it really just describes a phenomenon retirement researchers have been digging into lately. The fact that few married couples retire at the same time. Deanne Phillips is here to talk about this. She's Director of Client Learning and Development at Annex Wealth Management, as well as a CFP and a CDFA, Certified Divorce Financial Analyst. Welcome back, Deanne. Hey, thanks for having me discordant retirement this is a thing
3: it really is retirement's very complex years ago people were tired when they retired and here we talk about retirement in multiple stages and psychologists of course have talked about this a lot we call it when you first retire your go-go years where first you're in the honeymoon stage you have that honey do list you have the things that you always dreamed about doing and then your slower go years then your no-go years right slower go and no-go make a little bit more sense, but it's those go-go years. And when you hit that at different ages and you've got one spouse, usually the wife who's still potentially working, there's a whole different phase that you can go through. And that is rediscovering yourself and how you're going to spend that money in that very first part of retirement.
0: So you see this all the time. What would you say is the percentage of couples who do not retire at the same time?
3: Well, there was a recent survey by Fidelity Investments that found that about 43%, so almost half of married couples, disagreed about the age they'll retire. You know, the average age of retirement is 63, but that's a difficult statistic to answer, Danny, because half of those people go back to work in some capacity. So everybody really goes through a phase of defining what is retirement. You know, we saw about 10 years ago a slew of um, the younger baby boomers who might have lost their jobs. There There was downsizing that was happening. And when you're downsized in your late 50s, early 60s, you're kind of faced with the decision then, do I want to go ahead and find something in my old field? Will I be able to? Will there be, even if it's not mentioned, some sort of what I feel is age discrimination? Or do I just slip into retirement now? So discordant retirement's been around for a while. The question is, you know, how do people pick themselves up from their bootstraps and get beyond that first self-identification phase?
0: What's the problem if they can't agree on when they're going to retire?
3: Uh, that, because well, okay. it's really a psychological answer okay. to that question.
0: When my parents retired, my dad retired first, my mom worked for another couple years, and it seemed just fine. Was that their generation?
3: Yeah, it really is. So, greatest generation, when women entered the workforce during that generation, it was a, a little bit of different assumptions. They still were making that bridge to remember, women didn't sit on boards mm-hmm. much then, they didn't run companies as much then. So, it was really making that bridge to being outside of the traditional June Cleaver role and really working, so it was a little bit easier for them to. Sl- I'm making generalization here, but to slip back into that supportive role in the home later on. Now you flash forward to the Gen Xers and certainly the Gen Ys, and you look at our generations, Gen Xers, Danny. You know, the women, of course, we were gonna, for the most part, go to college and work a full time and have a career. And women's and, and men's brains, because we're wired differently. Women are just so used to having that multitasking, you know, we have to have the we're the caretaker, maybe our aging parents, the kids. We're the ones who have to have the kids, right? And so we take time off for that a little bit potentially. We have our friends, we have our social experience. When we look at how men generate we're operating into that retirement, it really depends on their personality type. But remember, someone who's an A-type personality does not stop being an A-type personality in retirement.
0: We're talking about discordant retirement with Deanne Phillips. There's a discordant phase. One spouse works uh, longer than another. We should talk about great financial planning because that's what Annex Wealth Management does. And this is where really you get into eligibility for pensions or when are you going to start taking Social Security distributions? When do you start pulling from that bucket?
3: Right. So obviously there's a lot of financial decisions that have to be made as you are moving up to the point where you're deciding upon retirement, whether or not you're retiring at the same age or not. But if there is that discordance, if one spouse is going to continue working and the other does happen to retire early, uh, before the age of 65, let's call that early from a health point of view, because that's when you can take Medicare, right? That's when it can kick in. So you have to look at things as a financial planner, like your health care benefits, your Medicare benefits, what that bridge is going to look like and what that expense will be.
0: So we talked about planning. Also, we need to talk about vision.
3: We do ask our clients, you know, are you thinking that you're going to age in place? And what that really means is if you're going to do a major revision remodeling and you're in your late 50s, early 60s, are you going to stay there? Or why are you doing it? You know, what's your thought behind it? It's never too early to begin the discussion of how you envision your downtime together. You know, as as a certified divorce financial analyst, you know, unfortunately, we've really seen the rise of gray divorce. That's divorce in people over the age of 50 because they have this discordant timing and or thought on what that's going to look like that you're going to want to start a conversation with with your spouse.
0: Deanne Phillips, thanks for coming in.
3: Thanks for having me.
0: Headlines, texts, emails, the TV, the computer, the phone, even your smartwatch seems like it never ends. Market volatility can lead to anxiety and planning paralysis. No surprise Americans report being stressed about their investment and retirement plans. Turn down the media roar. Dial up the planning put Annex Wealth Management on your side for investment and retirement guidance that includes tax and estate planning. Head to AnnexWealth.com. Click the Get Started button. Know the difference with a fee-only fiduciary. That's Annex Wealth Management.
6: At Annex Wealth Management, we put our money where our heart is. With the Annex Charitable Foundation, we strive to support difference makers in local communities and organizations to help them succeed. That's part of the difference. Learn more at AnnexCharitableFoundation.org.
0: Quick reminder, head to our website, AnnexWealth.com. And sign up for the Axiom, which is our free weekly newsletter. Also, connect with us on social media. We're on LinkedIn. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We've got a great Annex Wealth Management YouTube channel. You can search by topic. We've got 1,500 videos up there. And check out our brand-new SWAT podcast, Strengths, Weaknesses, Opportunities, Threats. comes out every single Monday with members of the Annex Wealth Management investment team. That's new on Mondays on our Spotify channel or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. That's the Annex Wealth Management SWAT podcast. Derek? Derek Felsky in the studio, Chief Investment Officer at Annex Wealth Management, along with Mark Beck, Managing Director, Wealth Management Services.
1: Thanks, Danny. You know, Derek, earlier in the show we talked a little bit about the jobs report. And In your talking points for the week, you've got an interesting new chart here called the Consumer Stress Indicator. I haven't seen this one before. I know what stress is all
2: about, right? And I know what my indicator is, but what's a consumer stress indicator? Well, basically what you do is you add up the increase in food at home, mortgage rates, and gasoline prices. And if that number tops 20, that's a very negative scenario, which would lead to the kind of consumer confidence we're seeing. I view it as a contrary indicator. It's about as bad as it can get for people. Yeah. Okay, let's talk just for a moment about that consumer confidence number. Does that not seem like it was extraordinarily low, almost like a misread? No, I think it's a, a reaction. I mean, I saw, like, you know, nobody trusts the media anymore. No one trusts the administration. No one believes in the Supreme Court. There's just so much negativity. And that's how markets market bottoms are found with lots of negativity where people are indiscriminately selling good companies at stupid prices. Uh, you know, this week you know we're going to get another CPI print. I have no doubt it'll be a high number, certainly probably above eight percent again. Uh, I don't know how people will react to it. The Fed doesn't really watch that; they watch the PCE, which is more moderate. And then we're going to go into earnings season, and right now the forecasts are for ten percent revenue growth and six percent earnings growth because you know margins are being squeezed to some degree by these higher commodity prices. So we start to watch earnings, and this is where you get a gauge of the valuation
1: level that's in the markets. One indicator to use to say, okay, where's the spot where we maybe you know, want to start to increase equity allocation? You know, how do you feel about where we stand right now, historically speaking, with the valuations, and are we
2: seeing declining earnings, or are we going to expect earnings to you know, maybe be above expectations? Well, they, they typically are above expectations. I think the guidance is going to be what's really interesting, because it wouldn't surprise me at all if a lot of companies kitchen sink the quarter. You know, they blame the dollar, they blame COVID shutdowns in China, they, they blame whatever they want to blame, uh, and that's going to set up buying opportunities many of these companies. So what you want to watch is, okay, what's the guidance, and how does the stock trade based on it? Because remember earlier, I said price is truth and when stocks go up on bad news, that's a sign that they're close to a bottom. Uh, We saw that with Samsung. They actually did not disappoint like many people thought they would. They actually guided a little higher. Uh, we saw the opposite with Helen of Troy, a cosmetics company. Their earnings forecast down 13, from thirteen dollars for next year to ten. That's a huge decline. So there's going to be a lot of volatility around earnings. Uh, we are in the midterm election cycle. We do expect uh, things to to moderate and, and turn more positive as we approach the election. But between now and the end of August, I expect a lot of volatility. Yep. You know, so you know keep yourself focused on the long
1: term and think about what sort of proactive moves you might make during volatility period, if we're going to see an August heightened level of volatility. And I think the advice for the listeners, of course, you said it earlier, you don't sell what amounts to good companies at ridiculously cheap prices. You think more in terms of can I add to my holdings during that kind of environment?
2: Right. I mean, the other snippets we've seen about earnings, the guidance raise rate up to this point is a little lower than what we've seen. In fact, it's the third weakest in the last eight quarters. But guidance cuts aren't really elevated. And it's not 2022 earnings I'm concerned. It's 2023, because right now people are sitting out there with a a number of 250 bucks. And you do a 16 multiple on that, that gets you to 4,000. I believe perhaps, you know, with with these kind of... uh, dips that we've seen that perhaps had a little low as a target, but that gives you some sense that there's not a whole lot of upside unless estimates come down rather sharply and
0: stock prices follow. Derek Felsky, our Chief Investment Officer at Annex Wealth Management. Thanks for joining us on the show today. Appreciate it. Thank you. Mark Beck, thanks for sitting in, Managing Director of Wealth Management Services. We appreciate you as well. Glad to be here. Folks, if we can help, our website, AnnexWealth.com. We do investment and retirement planning, tax planning, and estate planning with the complete Team. You've heard a bunch of them on the show today. Most importantly, we are a fee only fiduciary. Know the difference. One more thing for your weekend checklist take a couple of minutes, contact us at get started button at annexwealth.com. This is Money Talk on behalf of the team at Annex. We'll see you next Sunday at noon, right here, 925 Fox News.